Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, a resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. Alright, aloha, namaste everyone. Welcome to the very first class in our Vigyana Bhairava series, a 4,000-year-old text that forms a foundational foothold in the Kashmir Shaivite tradition. We had a few technical difficulties when this class was recorded at the very beginning, so that's why I'm doing this voiceover right now. Um, the Vigyana Bhairava is, we're going to be looking at through three different texts, uh, Zen Flesh, Zen Bones translation by Paul Reps. Um, also, the Swami Lakshmanju translation and the Jai Davis Singh translation. We'll be sort of referencing all three as we go. Uh, today, we're actually going to be focusing on the preliminary text that precedes the Vigyana Bhairava. The, it sets the stage for it. It's a conversation between Shiva and Parvati that we're going to be looking at in the original Sanskrit. Pretty awesome. But before we get into that, I'd like to just start class with a little story that can set the stage for our work today. This is from the 101 Zen Stories, translated by Paul Reps. It's accompanying the Vigyana Bhairava in his text, Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. It can be nice to come at some of these philosophical principles from a more organic source, like a story. So um, sit back and relax, and let's see where this lands for you. Story is called The Taste of Bonzo's Sword. Anybody heard it? Matajuro Yagyu was son of a famous swordsman. His father, believing that his son's work was too mediocre to anticipate mastership, disowned him. So Matajuro went out to Mount Futara and there found the famous swordsman Bonzo. But Bonzo confirmed the father's judgment. You wish to learn swordsmanship under my guidance? Asked Bonzo. You cannot fulfill the requirement. But if I work hard, how many years will it take to become a master? Persisted the youth. The rest of your life, said Bonzo. I cannot wait that long, explained Matajiro. I'm willing to pass through any hardship if only you will teach me. If, if I become your devoted servant, how long might it be? Maybe 10 years, Bonzo replied. But my father is getting old, and, and soon I must take care of him, continued Matajiro. If I work far more intensively, how long would it take me? Oh, maybe uh, 30 years, said Bonzo. Why is that? asked Matajiro. First you say 10, now 30. I will undergo any hardship to master the art in the shortest time. Well, said Bonzo, in that case, you will have to remain with me for 70 years. A person in such a hurry as you seldom gets results so quickly. Very well, declared the youth, understanding that at last, uh, understanding at last that he was being rebuked for his impatience. I agree. Matajuro was told never to speak of fencing and never to touch a sword. He cooked for his master, washed the dishes, made his bed, cleaned the yard, 
cared for the garden, all without a single word of swordsmanship. Three years passed. Still, Matajuro labored on. Thinking of his future, he was sad. He had not even begun to learn the art to which he had devoted his life. But one day, Bonzo crept up behind him and gave him a terrific blow with a wooden sword. The following day, when Matajiro was cooking rice, Bonzo again sprang upon him unexpectedly. After that, day and night, Matajiro had to defend himself from unexpected thrusts. Not a moment passed in any day that he did not have to think of the taste of Bonzo's sword. He learned so rapidly, he brought smiles to the face of his master. Matajuro became the greatest swordsman in the land. What has been one of Babaji's most recent and impacting teachings? I know for each of us it's different, but there has been one specific teaching that probably like stopped your mind a couple of times in the last few months. Forget everything you know about meditation, right? It's a pretty big deal to hear that from the word from the mouth of your teacher. Forget everything you know about meditation. We often become our own obstacle on the path. We're given a technique and we pursue the technique as if it's the goal, instead of realizing that the technique is meant to take you beyond itself. The Vigyana Bhairava begins with Parvati asking Shiva, which technique is best? To which Shiva eventually replies, no technique is the goal. Learning swordsmanship, for example, by doing the dishes is sort of what we're going after here in this text. In fact, as the Asta Vakra Samiti, which is a text that the introduction to this text quotes, it says, <laughs> Shanti, that ignorant yogi does not achieve absolute peace of God consciousness because they want it. As long as the urge is there, it's useless. When that state becomes your nature, then it's right. It must become your nature, not your desired object. And so the Vigyana Bhairava appears to be 112 different techniques that we use to um to meditate and of course that is what it is on the surface but in this introduction that we're going to look at together um what we see is that this text is actually trying to teach us one really simple thing which is how to use a technique but not be limited by it in fact from the word vigyana bhairava the word bhairava means the form of Shiva that is merged with Shakti, meaning the form of Shiva that is Shakti. They're the technique that is totally encompassed by 
the experience. In fact, the text it comes from, the Rudra Malaya Tantra, we'll see in the text, I believe, uh, I think I have that excerpt, literally can be translated, the text itself can be translated, the union of Shiva and Shakti, you know. So everywhere we look in this text, what we're presented with is, don't stop at the technique, merge it into a state of being. That's our goal and that's our work. And interestingly enough, I mean, this is a 4,000 year old text. This question has, has really been at the heart of studying yoga since the beginning. When Parvati asks which technique is best, Shiva says, that's the ultimate question. That's really a good question, you know, but it's exactly in answering that question that we realize, you know, what we're really after. Right. So what I prepared is excerpts from the introduction to the text, because the introduction to the text is actually a conversation between Shiva and Parvati, and it literally is the sort of essence, uh, uh, the direction in which we're going. So it's pretty, I thought it was, you know, very illuminating, very powerful. Um, what we'll literally do is, is we'll be reading excerpts from the, the text itself, from the, the conversation, the dialogue, um, and then uh, I'll try to illuminate it whenever it feels like it gets a little, um, maybe confusing or dense. Any questions right out the gate? Yeah, majority. So if it's 4,000 years old, does that mean it was like 2000 BC? Yeah, that's what um, Reps wrote in his introduction. He said, this text, which is 4,000 years old, et cetera. Yes, that, that's what he would have said. Wow. That's just when it's written, you know. Right. Who knows how long, because in the text, in the introduction, it says, like when Shiva and Parvati are talking, they say, they talk about this text as a song, you know, so it's been sung long before it was written, you know. Any other questions? Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ishwari, welcome to the class. It's uh, everything coming through on your end okay? You can hear me and see me? Cool. And I'm just going to pull open the chat window. Hey, Yogita. Make sure I'm not missing anything. Great. All right. All right. Let's take a look at uh, where this text begins. And we are going to do it like we usually do. We're going to get uh, a reader. All right. Um, Yogita, would you do the honors of kicking off the Vigyana Bhairava for us by reading? The very first verse here. Okay. Verse one to two. Debbie speaks. Oh, Lord, I have already heard the essence of the threefold school of thought entirely from Rudran, Rudramala Tantra. Or has come out with the union of Bharata and Bharatabhai and Bharata. That is Rudran. Rudra Yamala Shambhavam. 
you can translate it in both ways. I'm going to pause you real quick. Um, the bold is the original text. In Lakshmanju, I left in um, the normal font. So he's trying here the text, and then this is Lakshmanju talking about the text. So you can, when he says you can translate it in both ways, that's Lakshmanju talking about the text. So go on, Yogita thinks. You can translate it in both ways. The outcome from the union of two energies, the Lord and the Parvati, Parvata, are from the Rudramala Tantra. My doubts are not entirely removed. What is the reality of thought in all the schools of Trika? My doubts are not entirely removed. Excellent. All right, so she says she's heard the essence of the threefold school of thought entirely from the previous aspects of the text. There's the threefold path, the ninefold path, the fiftyfold path, etc. And she says, I've heard all these, but what is the reality, you know, of these practices, these techniques? Uh, I don't, I don't feel confident in on the path. Uh, Pujari, could you continue with this, verses 3 and 4? Oh, Lord, Deva, what is the real essence of the way we have to tread? Kim Rupam Tadvato Deva? This is one sentence, an exclusive sentence. Oh, Lord, what is the real essence of the way we have to march, we have to tread? Is the way to tread... Is the way to tread on the 50 letters and return to make the journey from ah to ksha and return from ksha to ah again? Is this the way? Or is it the journey of the nine states? Is this the way? Or if this is not the way, then you tell me clearly what is the real way I have to travel. So what is the real essence of the way we have to tread or to march? I mean, how many of us, I, we've all had a point when we're just like, just tell me how to do this thing so I can just do it. How do I, how do I meditate? How do I just do it? I mean, and we just want to know, oh, just give me the, just, I just want to march that way. I'll just, just tell me which way to put my energy. You know? So, this is like an eternal question. You know, you're presented with all these techniques, all these paths. You're like, well, which one is it? I think we're pretty lucky. You know, I think all of us can recognize in this school, uh, or at least I can speak for myself and I can speak for those who I, you know, who I know of my saga, that it's easy to feel that our tradition you know, has found a way to the top and that you can really trust and, and you can feel it in the teachers and in the teachings. Um, but imagine if you didn't have that feeling, if you were just starting or just trying to figure this out, you definitely would have this question um, in the back of your mind or in the front. Um, what is this? Which technique is best? I don't want to waste my time. And so Shiva replies, uh, Gita, would you play the part of Shiva? Okay, verse uh, 7b through 8. <clears throat> oh, dear, dear Parvati, you have asked me that which was worth to be asked for sadhu and sadhu 
because this is the essence of all tantras. Tanta serum idam priya. The question you have put before me is the essence of all tantras. Tantra sharam idam priya. O oh, Devi, although it is to be concealed, you must conceal this. It is worth concealing, hiding. It must not be exposed because it is a secret even then. I will explain it. I will expose this secret to you. Thanks, Gita. Interesting that this question could be the essence of all tantras. Isn't that, did you find that interesting? That this, this question could be the real essence of, of all the teachings. It just lets you, it, there's just something to ponder there. It's like for thousands and thousands of years, we've all sort of, we all sort of have to have to wonder, even when given a practice, is this the right one? How do I do it? Am I doing it right? 4,000 years ago, someone was sitting to meditate and they were saying, am I doing this right? And then you're still saying that, and I'm still saying that, you know, on a daily basis sometimes. So somehow this quandary is actually an essential teaching. This isn't just like a, a side note. It's actually the teaching. So he starts to answer her. Um, Bob, would you bring us to first? I'm going to skip that one real quick. Verse nine here. Whatever forms, any form of the Lord, be they in the divided formation of mantras and forms, or in the undivided formation of mantras and forms, whatever formation of the Lord you find explained in all tantras, that is all bogus. <laughs> that is written <clears throat> only for writing only, not to be understood. It is not worth understanding. It is only deception or delusion. It has no sense. It has no meaning in the background. The ninefold journey, the threefold journey, or the elevenfold journey, all these are bogus. They have no essence in it. Jaideva Singh says Shiva answers this question uh, pithily, but with luminous clarity. You know, there is something to this. He really, you know, in this text, this answer is meant to be like sort of shocking, in my opinion. And it appears that Lakshmanju and Jaideva Singh's translation correlate with that to say, yeah, it's shocking. To say it's all bogus. It's like when you first hear the sutra, knowledge is bondage. And you're like, wait, what? I, why did I go to school for the first 18 years of my life if knowledge is bondage, you know? It's like that shock value of like, what? To say that all these, other, all these practices, all these techniques are bogus. 
sort of like how it feels probably when Babaji said at Satsang, forget everything you know about meditation. What? Let's just start over right now. So there's something going on in this introduction to the Vigyanabhairava. It's there's something that's there. They're really trying to set this apart to not have it land in the same place that you're used to. Perhaps because it is literally 112 techniques. So if you don't shock yourself out of this outside in uh, pathway to your practice, you're going to be wasting your time. Right? It's, I think it's like a, a word of caution. Like this could easily be overlooked. You could easily waste your time in this text if you approach it like 112 different ways to have a positive, fun time meditating. It's like, no, it can't stop there. And I think they're trying to shock us into that realization early so that it's not like two years down the road to have that, that same thought. Um, Marcella, would you take it from here on this uh, next? This is only Maya. This is the expansion of Maya. All these states and all these processes are just like a dream. Or Gandharva, Nagara, Brahman, just like a wrong conception just like an imaginary city in the sky. Then the question arises there, why are there these ways put in the tantras then? What is the fun in putting them in these Bhairava Agamas? So all these techniques are just more illusion, perhaps. Just like an imaginary city in the sky. So why are they in here? Well, Shiva, in a continuing to be pithy kind of way, uh, says a few reasons why all these techniques exist. Uh, Radharani, could you read this next one? Verse 10. It is written for those whose intellect is always stray, scattered, and those people who are established in the commencement of actions only. It is written for those people whose mind is always established in thoughts, in differ differentiated thoughts. Thank you. So it's written, uh, techniques help us when our minds are scattered. When we're really externalized, you need a technique, it will support you. Or, you know, it helps for people who really need a goal. You know, people who it says are establishing the commencement of actions. That's literally what it says in the original text, uh, who are always trying to sort of like do and do and do and accomplish. It's been going on. People like us, doozers, have been around since the beginning. It's so cool to realize that We've been around for a long time having the same challenges. The same teachings Babaji's giving on that chair right there on Monday night 
4,000 years ago, different chair, different night, same teaching. So for doozers who are only um, into actions, well, we'll give them some techniques. We'll give them some goals. Uh, and for those people who are just always lost in thought, you know, try to tell someone, uh, quiet your mind. It's not going to work, right? So techniques are for all of us at different stages of our day and our life, you know, but it's not all we should focus on. Well, we'll keep reading. Shoshone, um, I'm going to call on you guys in a minute. Are you available for reading? Is it a thumbs up on reading or is it like hard? It's okay if it's hard, I understand. That look means it's hard when people do this. Um, so if you think you can do it, then awesome. Um, and I also want to ask, Ishwari, are you are you game for reading? Is that okay? Or you tell me, thumbs up or... I can't hear you, so it's just struggling. I have an old text of Vishnu Brahma, and I must know which one you have. It's very hard to keep follow. Okay. What? Oh, you muted again. Go ahead and try that again. Which text do you have? Uh, currently, these, these excerpts are from the Lakshman Jew. Uh, you can see this, right? The stuff I'm, this is what we're reading, right? Yes. Cool. Yeah. So this is all right. But um, yeah, this is the Lakshman Jew translation. All right, Pujari, verse eleven and twelve. Bhairava is not the ninefold way. This Bhairava is not the fiftyfold way. Treading the journey from Atuksha and return again. This Deva is not the holder of the threefold energies. Bhairava is not the establishment of that moving wheel, which is without movement, not even that. It is not Svarupa of universal energy, it is something else. Then what is that? All right, I'm going to have you actually, Pujari, you're an amazing reader. I'm going to have you do this one too. These ways are established in the tantras, are just for diverting ignorant youth from bad actions. You terrify the kids by saying that. If you do such and such action, this ghost will eat you. Don't do this. This ghost, he will eat you just now. Don't do this action. Keep quiet. And this terrifying process is functioned for whom? Not for great souls, highly elevated souls, but for those who have whose intellect is not well-developed. You got the job, Bujari. Keep going. <laughs> if you have to take a dose of medicine, a medicine dose which is not sweet, it is sour, it is not tasteful, you do not like to take it, then what does your mother do? She puts something sweet in your mouth first and then says, take the medicine now. These processes are just to begin with, but not to dive in those processes. These processes are nothing. You have not to tread on these processes. It is just to begin with. The meaning of pravrityartam udartam is it is just to begin with. 
you begin and leave them aside and then go on the right path. Thanks, Pujari. So these techniques are absolutely necessary for when we have a busy mind or when we're sort of too maybe new to even understand what direction we're going or, or even how to direct our energy, right? Um, they're the, the sweet taste that lets us take in the somewhat bitter experience of, of growing. It's challenging. It's not a pat on the back most of the time. It's it's growing. And um, the upayas, as they say, are here to help us take in that medicine of growth uh, by sweetening the experience a little bit. For example, you do mantra. Are you doing mantra just to say the mantras out loud? To saying the mantras actually produce uh, like a physical effect? Is, is it the saying of it? If you say the mantras at, like a parrot, for example, do you grow? And the answer, as Babaji has said, if you, not necessarily, or as Muktananda has said in that original reference with, with the parrot, you know, I've been working with these, with this concept, and I was doing a puja this morning, um, and I realized, I was like, whoa, all these items on this tray, could I could just stop at the item. I'm offering the candle, offering the incense, offering the flower, offering, you know, the objects. And I was like, why am I offering this? Like, what's happening inside me? When I offer, you know, when Babaji says it's the vibration of the mantra, not the meaning, what is that getting at? When you stare at a deity and you meditate on Nityananda or one of the deities in the shrine or your personal shrine, it could just be a block of wood. Unless something's happening in here. And we all know this. But what I have really, really enjoyed about this shocking introduction to the Vigyana Bhairava was that it has really asked me, be like, yeah, you know this, but are you doing that? What would it be like to do that? That's what we're after. Because again, we've got 112 techniques coming our way. And if they just stay on the table like a puja tray if they're just out here in front of us there's something really shocking that we need to learn and this text has come into our sangha at a particular time not because anybody planned it that way but it does seem to correlate with this teaching from babaji forget everything you know about meditation not meditate and uh and for me for this teaching um that's the direction i hope we can all go together so we're going to pause there. Um, there's a little bit more to go in the introduction. It's going to be fun, uh, but I want to make sure we have time to meditate. And I also want to just take a moment um, to see if it, anybody has any questions or comments. Um, does any of this sort of excite you? Is this something that you have been wondering? And how, how do I dive into that? When Babaji says this, have you been like, I want to do that, but I don't know how, you know? I see some nods. Cool. And if you have anything to, you know, if you want to make a comment, please go for it. Um, just to hear what direction you're 
for taking this in. Sure, Bob, go for it. Oh, two yeah. things. Uh, one is, you know, I've read this book many times over the years and never really, this didn't really jump out and grab me like it did just now. I'm sitting here laughing at myself because, gosh, they nailed me. <laughs> yeah, they nailed me. As a, a young yogi, it was all about... I got to get this and, you know, I got to get the right thing. I don't want to waste my time and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, that's very, very nicely said. Um, I just noticed one other thing is, I think it was on the second page that somebody read where it says, for God's sake, don't talk about this stuff. Uh, oh, right. It says in the Guru Gita where it's like, yeah, that's you know, true. this isn't for everybody. Just keep it to yourself. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's just like in the last verse of the Gita, where it's like, you know, don't impart this, you know, keep it a secret. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Because that's, that's one of the easy trappings, you know, you tell somebody about something that you're really excited about, and you sort of feel like, oh, I accomplished something, you know, when in reality, it's like, maybe, you know, it's like that saying, I remember when I was younger, and it was like we were building a, a ramp and it wasn't quite done. And then we started skating on it. And somebody told me, if you start skating on it, you'll never finish it. And I was like, no, no. We started skating on it, never finished it. You know, it's like almost like talking about something is a way of like acting like you've got it. And you sort of stop it. Once you start talking about it, you sort of stop investigating a little. So it's better to just like sort of hold it in. Like Babaji says, he like lets the experiences totally settle within him and be absorbed before he like discusses them. Thanks for bringing it up, Bob. Ujari, did you want to comment? Well, part of your question was this new practice that's gentle and easy, right? Just go into your heart. But it feels like learning how to ski. <laughs> so there's like, there's just all this bad habits like or different habits, you know, different you're a snowboarder first or something. Every once in a while you get a good turn and then you're like, oh, <laughs> and eventually you'll get to the point where you could just make the turns or maybe surfing is a good analogy. You can get up and ride, but that process of letting go, like he's talking about surrender all the time, surrender, surrender, surrender. And that's what happens when you learn something. It's like all that learning is dissolved and then you just there. So I'm looking forward to this Vijnana Brava for that reason. Also, I think on Monday night, if I'm not mistaken, um, Swami G. Rudran, Rudranima has been reading from the Vijnana Brava. Is that right? I think she's been tapping into Upanishads, I think, a little bit. All the Upanishads. Okay. And I think the Shiva Sutras before that. But yeah, you oh, know okay. read from the Vijnana Bhairava. It's usually pretty specific. It's like, do this now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And great readings. Great reading from everyone. I really appreciate it. It sort of makes the class feel so collective. I really am grateful for it. I hope we can continue with that. Okay. Yogita. 
I like the um, metaphor about giving the child something sweet because you would otherwise you'd be fighting with the child to try to get her to take the medicine. And so it's like that they're going to give us something to help us get there, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not like a rejecting of technique because like he says, it's a it's a bitter medicine. It is a bitter medicine. Um, the idea, like the present, uh, when you're doing great, the present is not a bitter medicine. I get it. But it can be challenging uh, when your mind is, is, is fast, when you're worried about something, you know, when you're feeling a little bored. You know, the next time you want to reach for your phone between activities to do something fun on it, don't reach for it and feel the bitter medicine of the present, you know, and he started to go, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I, I get it. I, I see what they're saying, this bitter medicine. Um, and then ask yourself, well, how do you get yourself to do practice in those moments? Is it by just saying, I'm going to just not look at my phone? Doesn't work, right? You got to have something sweet. Uh, you know, something, some mantra, walking in my footsteps. Uh, I'm going to sing a little kirtan while I go from A to B. You know, there's a lot of ways and we all have our ways. So it's not a rejection of technique. It's absolutely necessary, as you just said. Otherwise, we'd be fighting to even get started. It's just a, it's just a, um, an acknowledgement, right, of its purpose. Because what is medicine without the medicine you know it's just like flavoring it's just it's sort of like just like junk food you know that's what doership sort of represents it's like effort with no substance thanks everyone let's let's make some time to sit together so feel free to adjust your seat uh i'll try to keep my voice at this level uh even during meditation so that everybody can still hear and, and thanks again for your uh, patience in the bumpy start. I'll get that figured out, of course, before next class. So in Paul Rep's introduction to the sutra, he has a really great centering paragraph. Which will be our introduction to our practice. Machines, ledgers, dancers, athletes, balance. Just as centering or balance augments various skills, so it may awareness. As an experiment, try standing, we'll say sitting, equally on both sit bones. Then shift your balance slightly from sit bone to sit bone. So shift your weight left and right, little forward, maybe a little back. And as Rep says, he says, just as you become centered on your sit bones, you become centered. 
See, that technique brought you to a state of balance. It brought you towards your center. At any point, you can revisit that technique. You can rock a little. And again, as you approach center, you will feel center. But do we just keep rocking and recentering, rocking and recentering? Or do we focus on this experience that we're being given? Rock one more time with me. From sit bone to sit bone. Let yourself rock until you feel centered. And then be in that center. Be with it. What does it feel like? What does the world sound like when you're centered like this? What does your body feel like when you're centered like this? Babaji often says, light as a feather. This is all we're trying to do. This is the direction we're being pointed in. but it's hard to hold that center. So we use techniques again, visualize the breath flowing in through the third eye, down the throat, towards the heart. As you exhale, imagine the space of the heart gently expanding. Each inhale draws your awareness towards the heart. Each exhale allows your awareness in the heart to expand. This technique is attempting to help you find your heart, to help you find your center and to expand it. It's just a technique though. It's just a shoehorn in a way. 
Where is your heart? How do you expand it? Can you be in that experience fully? Not outside of it, trying, but in it, being. Forget everything you know about meditation. Find your heart, find your center, and work intuitively. Direct a busy mind with the breath, with visualization of the heart. But when the mind is quiet, work with a lighter touch.
Eat like Matanjuro. Don't even speak of meditation to yourself. Let yourself just be completely present. Let yourself find your heart. Let yourself feel the breath. How simple can you make it? You feel any gripping, release it, but physically or mentally. Feel tired, let yourself feel what it feels like to be tired. You don't have to push it away. And finish just like we started with a little rocking, then arriving. Bring the hands to the heart at your center, let the hands touch the heart at the center. So, I ask you in this next week, you know, to really look at your practice and to see where these teachings land for you, whether it's realizing that a puja is not about the physical objects or a mantra is not about the repetitions, that a murti is not about the carving, and to really start to ask yourself, you know, to recognize what's the sugar coating, okay? And what's the medicine? to just let that teaching sort of evolve for you and we can talk a little bit next week and start from there. So thanks everyone for your awareness and attention. Namaste.